What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. Okay, so last week we spent the whole time on the girl's nose. And we talked about how uh, Damascus was the arch enemy of Israel, right, and in and, and Syria. And, and so we're called to be people that walk with a discernment as we look out and as we get outside of ourselves, where we're like a tower that's actually looking and sensing, okay, here's what God is doing. And so, man, we want to we be people that really cry out, God, raise a level of discernment in our life. And then it picks up in verse 5 of chapter 7, and he continues on because, listen, discernment is one thing and it's needed so that you're like a tower observing what's happening, but then you have to have a head like Carmel. Now, if some of you want to put that on your ice cream, that's not what it's talking about. This was a place. But remember, from Song of Songs, chapter 5, we talked about, in verse 11, so go ahead and flip there so you can see it, and it'll jog your memory, because these words are important. Why is it important? Because as we gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, as we fix our gaze, as we, as we center our lives around Christ, and we gaze upon him and focus on him, all of a sudden, what we behold is what we become. Say that with me. What we behold is what we become. Fix your eyes upon Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And so she, uh, Song of Songs 5.11, it says his head, his head. Now, what was head? What was it? Somebody's way in the back. I don't know what you're saying. It's authority, authority. It means authority. Whenever we see head, authority, why? Because the first prophecy in the Bible was to Satan, where God says, the seed of the woman, you will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. He will take away your authority. This is why in Romans, it's saying that God will soon crush Satan under your feet. Authority, authority, authority. 1 John 3, 8 The Son of Man was made manifest to destroy the works of the devil. So this is who we are. And so it's one thing to recognize the devil in Damascus, if you will, to be that tower seeing discernment. But here, here, it's saying, hey, your head, your head. And and look what it says in Song of Songs 5.11. His head, his leadership, his authority is fine gold. Meaning there's nothing pure in his leadership. I want to follow him because his heart is pure, his mind is pure. There's nothing false in him. Pure gold leadership. Jesus. His locks are wavy, black as a raven. I believe that's speaking to a Nazarite vow. Set apart, his leadership is pure. I can trust him. Now go back to 7, 5. Now, your head. See, she's becoming mature in chapter 7. She was immature in chapter 1. She's mature in chapter 7. And so Christianity is a progressive growth into Christ-likeness. Every day you're being changed from glory to glory. Say, I'm glorious. Yeah. And you're more glorious today than you were yesterday. 
I don't care what your wife says. Thank you. Delita, you know, you know what I'm saying? You got to help the folks out. They're not tracking with my jokes sometimes. Your head crowns you like Carmel. The excellence of Carmel is described in Isaiah 35, 2. It says the majesty of Carmel. Carmel is a place. It's considered one of the most beautiful peaks in the land of Israel. It was also a place where God sent fire from heaven to defeat the Baal worshipers through Elijah. And so now you're seeing something here. What Christ see? This is an allegory, but words matter. There's meaning behind what's being said. It's just not physically, your head is like karma. No, you, listen, your, your authority and your leadership and your headship, it reminds me of something that happened on a certain mount there. Where not only do you walk with discernment, because your, your nose, it's, it's towards Damascus, but you can also do something about it. You're walking in your authority, the authority that God's given you, and you are going to tear down every false thing that keeps people from God. And this is where, as a church, a lot of times people can sense, hey, something's not right here. This person, you know, kind of something's off here, and there's a sensing of that, right? Discernment, discernment. Maturity comes when you sense something's right, or excuse me, when something's wrong, and you ask God, how can I die for that person? Let me say that again. Maturity is when you sense something is wrong, how can I die for that person? Jesus sensed something was very wrong in us, right? He sensed there was a problem. And he said, because of that problem, because they're deserving of wrath, because they've sinned against me, a holy God, I'm going to embrace this cross and I'm going to die for them. See, when you have that mentality, when you see your neighbor and you see your brother or sister in Christ and you think that there's something wrong, there pops up in us, I'm afraid of confrontation. That's not the Lord. How do we know that's not the Lord? Revelation, it says, Jesus, whom I love, I what? Rebuke, chasten, reprove, another translation. Whom I love, I rebuke. When you are fear, afraid to confront somebody because of how they'll react or respond, when you are afraid to confront somebody because you've done it X amount of times and they just don't listen anyway, so there's no hope. Wait a minute, 1 Corinthians 13, it says, love always hopes, love always believes the best, so I'm gonna continue to ask, seek, and knock, trusting that God's gonna open up this door so they can really see. And so, the story that happened on Carmel, the mount, with Elijah, the nation of Israel got sucked into Baal worship, false worship, with 
Jezebel and Ahab and it was just very, very demonic and the nation was being led astray and there was 400 prophets and here's what happened. Not only did God show himself strong and bring fire from heaven to burn up the sacrifice, but also it didn't stop there. The prophet of God killed all of those prophets. Now, God's not wanting you to kill every prophet. But he is asking you to see and discern where the enemy's working, to stand in your authority that is in Christ, so that you have the attitude that Elijah had. No, this is not God. This is not right. God, move in power, but also, how can I begin to help them destroy all of the working of the enemy in their life? How can I help them to destroy that? Where I'm violent against sin in someone's life. Why? Because I love them. I want them to be free. I want them to walk in the promises of God. I want them to walk in holiness and righteousness. Why? Hebrews, it says this, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So be holy as I am holy. The Holy Spirit, I have to remind the church sometimes, the Holy Spirit is called, his name is the Holy Spirit, meaning he's holy. So whatever you're being led to do by God, it's going to call to a place where is this making me holy? Is this going to make me more holy? When I order that fifth drink at the bar, is this going to make me more holy? I guess not. When I go shopping to, to get a fit, is this going to make me more holy? I'm getting ahead of myself there. See, this girl is the type of person that can lead people back to God out of deception and punish evil, violently destroying evil, violently destroying evil. Is that like, is that your jam, Christian? So, so again, it's one thing to sense and see with discernment, but it's another thing to walk in the authority of Christ and actively start destroying the evil that is so gripping people's lives. How can you join Christ in doing that? And I've quoted it already, 1 John 3, 8. The reason the Son was made manifest was to destroy the work of the devil. And so if I'm in Christ, I'm actively saying, where is sin at ruling in people's lives? Where is sin happening in society? I want to violently attack that. Ephesians 5, 11, and 12, it says to expose the works of darkness. Well, that's not nice, Chris. Nowhere in the Bible does it say we're supposed to be nice. It says to be kind. I want you to <clears throat> turn to 2 Corinthians 2.11. I left off this place last week, and this is where I want to just kind of start it, because I don't know sometimes the church, if we're really, really walking in our authority and we're having the mindset of Elijah where we want to destroy sin wherever we see it. 
violently destroy sin. Again, it's not the person. It's not the person. We love people, but man, when I see things that, that are going to ruin someone's life, man, I, I, I want to come at someone in a loving way. Why? Because I want them to walk in freedom. I don't want them to be deceived. I don't want them to be in bondage. And so, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, it says, so that we would not be outwitted. What are some other translations? Taken advantage of. Somebody said bamboozled. I don't know what translation that is. <laughs> By who? So the question would say, okay, if that's what Satan does, if that's what Satan's doing, who is Paul writing to here? He was writing to the church, so it's, hey, church, wake up. We can be outwitted. We can be deceived. We can be tricked. There are schemes that the enemy has, but then listen to what it says, for we are not what? Ignorant of his designs. So a person that has the head of Carmel understands what the enemy does, understands what the enemy's doing, is not ignorant of how the enemy works. So that in a conversation, when somebody says something to me, actually, I just witnessed my wife do this yesterday as she was counseling somebody. Somebody was kind of getting all in their emotions, and my wife said, time out. Time out. That's not God. It's not God. And what I want to do right now is I want to pray. And she began to bind down every spirit, bind down the enemy coming on the emotions of someone, be quiet in the name of Jesus so I can speak truth. Are we people that can discern? Yeah, that, that's not God. That's not God. And not only is it not God, what are are we going to do about that? And unfortunately, there's a lot of schemes in the Bible that speak of Satan and what he does. There's, if if you just go home and do some homework because you need to know the enemy that you're fighting you'll see how many different names that he has. It's over 20 different names in the Bible, and names speak of movement. So Ephesians 6.11, it says, when we put on the whole armor of God, that we would be able to stand against the schemes or the devices or the tricks of the enemy. We are called to stand against that stuff. 1 Peter 5.8, it tells us to be sober-minded, watchful, because we have an adversary. The devil is against you, and he's against you constantly. And this is why we're called to be sober-minded, because he wants to devour. Jesus said in John 10.10 that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. An enemy who is Satan is actively coming after you and your family and your children, and he doesn't care. He wants to destroy you. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Meaning, if you don't resist him, does he have to flee? If you don't submit to God, does he have to flee? And how many of us, because of disobedience to the word, 
have put a welcome sign to the enemy in our house. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, because if you do, you give the devil a place in your life. How many times have husbands and wives gone to bed upset without forgiving one another, disobeying that verse that I just quoted in Ephesians chapter 4? I think it's 26 or 27. Read it at your own time. But I diso- I'm going to let the sun go down, God, because I can't stand her. How she makes me feel. I'm so angry. And I'm sleeping on the couch. Or maybe you sleep on the couch. No, you sleep on the couch. Can't stand you. And then we throw the D word around, which is the worst cuss word on the planet. Because God hates that. He hates that. And so we disobey God. And we go to bed. And then we get up. And there's an elephant in the room, but you know what? We don't want any more drama. I'm just trying to keep the peace. Let me tell you something. That's not God. Because that's not truth and love. Disobeyed the night before. Then avoid confrontation. Don't deal with it. Guess what? Next fight comes. It's the straw that broke the camel's back. There's another explosion. Why? Because you've been disobeying God. You're not forgiving. And we wonder. We wonder. Listen, even for my children, my wife, she's had to come to me because, man, I would get frustrated over time and I would just let things build up, but then all of a sudden I'm snappy or I'm raising my voice in a wrong way. I'm raising my voice in a right way this morning, by the way. (laughs) And she said, babe, I think you got some unforgiveness and bitterness going on. This isn't like you. What is that? That's the discernment to understand the working of the enemy in my life and the discernment to say, hey, go take a time out and go do a debt list and forgive. And I, every time, every time that happens, there's a peace, there's a love, there's a gentleness, there's a grace. Why? Because I'm not bringing the past into the present. The history channel's not playing. Again, if you don't submit to God, you don't resist the devil. He doesn't have to flee. John 8, 44, Jesus says of Satan, when he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So he's always lying. This is why sometimes in uh, deliverance ministry, people are talking to the demon, asking them their name. Uh, hey, they can't lie. That's what they do anyway. Um, Revelation chapter 12, verse 9, it calls Satan this ancient serpent. He's this deceiver of the whole world. The whole world, yeah, 1 John 5, 19 says this, that the whole world lies under the sway of the evil one or the wicked one. Last week, we talked about abortion in the land in Ephesians chapter 2, and there's this spirit at work in the sons of disobedience for those who don't obey the gospel. So he's a deceiver. How many times are we deceived because we don't understand his schemes and his devices? Because we're living in ignorance. We just haven't taken the time to study. So we don't have the head like Carmel. I can keep going. 
on different verses. I'm going to stop now because I believe I've made my point. If you Google the schemes of the enemy, you can begin to go and recognize those things. Even when preaching the gospel, it says that the God of this age has blinded those so they cannot believe the gospel. I'll never forget, my uncle was on his deathbed, dying, rejected Christ time and time and time again. When I walked into that, hotel, that hospital bed, I bind down Satan. Satan, I bind you down in the name of Jesus. And I tear down, as I stand in the authority of Christ, those blinders to come, come off of my uncle so he would see the glory of your gospel. And he received Christ right before he died a day later. The enemy's blinding. You don't hate a blind person for being blind. This is why we're not mad at the person. We understand there's a spiritual war going on. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 18. I love this psalm. A lot of you young dudes, this would be a memory psalm for you. Now, nothing against females. You're warriors as well. But I'm just saying. This is the warrior psalm. This is our jam, okay, as Christians. And head like Carmel, right? Head like Carmel, like am I walking like Elijah, not only sensing the enemy, exposing the enemy, but then destroying the work of the enemy. So Psalm 18, 31, it says, For who is God but the Lord? Psalm 18, 31. And who is a rock except our God? Psalm 18. Did I? See, I don't know why I said that. I'm sorry, guys. Please forgive me. Psalm 18. We need to be like Elijah. Not Isaiah, although Isaiah is a good dude. And so do I have that kind of mindset that Elijah had where I want to destroy everything that Baal's doing? And Psalm 18 is going to, if this is your jam, right, you're going, to be, you're going to begin to walk in this. And this is how we're called to walk. This is the swag of the Christian. This is who we are, guys. This is who we are. Who is, verse 31, Psalm 18, Psalm 18. For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? Do you smell what the rock has got cooking? Verse 32, and God who equipped me with strength, he made my way blameless. Who makes your way blameless? God does, not you. It is the cross that has declared you righteous. He made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure on the heights. He trains my hands for war so that my, oh, I love that, so that my arms can bend a bro of bronze. Honey, when you get, when I get home tonight, you just want to, you want to touch these, these arms that can bend a bro of bronze. But who trains me? Pastor Chris? No, God does. So your prayer is, God, 
Will you train me so I can begin to bend a bow of bronze? 35. You've given me the shield of your salvation. Who's given it? God's given it. And your right hand supported me. And your gentleness made me great. This is a big verse. We are strong and we are mighty in the Lord, but it is the gentleness. God's God's gentleness working through us. God's kindness leads us to repentance, right? If you want to be a great leader, men and women, it's through your gentleness. Gentle leading. Why? Because that's how Jesus leads us. Isaiah 40, verse 11, he leads us gently. He carries us in his arms like, like lambs, right? Blessed are the, the, the meek, the meek, right? The meek. Jesus was meek and humble. Come to me. All you who are weary and heavy, I'll give you rest for your soul. Take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. There is a meekness, a meekness, a, and, and a gentleness in, in our leadership approach, right? How many of us want to get off gentleness and just get back to bending bronze, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's both and. It's the rod and the staff. And at any time, you can be a lion, and at any time, you can be a lamb, depending on what the Spirit is doing, depending on the situation. You gave me a wide place, verse 36, for my steps under me. My feet did not slip. How many of you are tired of slipping? Verse 37, I pursued my enemies and I overtook them. And I did not turn back until they were consumed. You want to highlight that there. I did not turn back until they were consumed. I thrust them through so that they were not able to rise and they fell under my feet. That is the jam right there that I'm talking about. The discernment, the, 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 the headship, the leadership, walking in authority like Carmel, so much so that I can recognize and I can discern the enemy like a tower looking towards Damascus. But when I see it, I just don't cower back. I go towards it because I want to destroy it. So it never rises again in my life or my brother's and sister's life. I want to violently take out and eradicate sin in your life. And I want you to have that same kind of mindset for me as well. Thirty-nine, you equipped me with strength for battle. You made those who rise against me sink under me. What a promise. Who's against you right now? They better recognize for they realize who you're walking with. You made my enemies turn their backs at me, and those who hated me, I destroyed. Don't destroy anybody, except for what the enemy's doing. And you could put there 1 John 3, 8. Christ came to destroy all the works of the enemy. They cried for help, but there's no one to save. They cried to the Lord, but he didn't answer them. And I beat them as fine dust before the wind, and I cast them out like mire in the street. So if you look at 37, 38, and 42, this is describing in those passages that there is a destruction, there is a destroying, there is a beating down, so they do not arise, and we do not turn our backs on the enemy. Look at this. I did not turn back until they were consumed, verse 30. 
37. Many of us, we sense and see the enemy, but then we turn our back too quick and we get taken out. Jeremy, if you have that clip ready to go. Please. Servant of the secret fire, wielder of the flame of Arnor. Dark fire will not avail you, flame of Udun! Go back to the shadow. All right, I'd like you to turn to Luke 4, 13, please. We're going to end here. <clears throat> what, did, what did Gandalf do right? He stood between the enemy and his brothers. He was willing to step into the gap and lay his life down. He stood in his authority. He discerned the enemy was coming like a tower, if you will. Damascus, right? The Balrog. But then he stands there and in his authority, in love, in love, he says, you know what? I'm going to stand in the gap, right? Ezekiel, it says, I looked for a man to stand in the gap, but I found none. God is always looking for somebody to say, here I am. I'm here, not for me, but I'm here to lay my life down for others. So Gandalf took that place, and then not only did he take that place motivated by love, but also he stood in his authority, you shall not pass. And by the way, when you're talking to a demon, you don't have to yell at them. In the name of Christ... You will not pass. As I stand in the authority of Christ, you're not going to pass. Make sense? And Gandalf did that. It's amazing. But what did he do wrong? He turned his back on the enemy. For the rest of your life, so here's some bad news. For the rest of your life, the enemy is going to keep coming. Because he hates you. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy you. Now, because of Christ, your eternity is secure. So what can he do? 
We know in Romans where Paul was talking to church, we tried to come to you, but Satan hindered us. He can hinder purposes and plans in your life. Why? Because you're not throwing off every weight that so easily entangles. You're not serious about sin. You're like, oh, here's a compromise. I'll just keep running with this compromise. I'm compromising a little bit. It's not really affecting anybody but me. Nobody knows but me. And so that little compromise caused sin to hinder my running the race. And we're not violent because we're compromised. Christian, what's, what are you compromised by in your life right now? What is hindering your walk right now? So we see Jesus here in Luke 4. I want you to, this is a big, big verse. Verse 13, Jesus was tempted three times after 40 days in the wilderness And he responded every time, by the way, church, by it is written, it is written, it is written. He's quoting scripture to fight the enemy. But then it says, when the devil had ended every temptation, every temptation, He departed, so again, James chapter 4, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will what? Flee. But guess what? He's coming back. He departed from him until what? An opportune time. He, He wanted another way in. Well, guess what? What was another way he got in? Jesus is talking to his disciples, hey, who do you say that I am? And Peter's like, hey, you're the Christ. And Jesus responds and says, ooh, Peter, you get an A, buddy. Flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but my Father in heaven. So you're hearing God in real time while I'm standing right here. God spoke to you, and so you understand who I am. And Peter's like, oh, yeah, I did get that right. I'm smart. I've got discernment. Jesus then says, I'm going to be crucified. And Peter, maybe resting on his last victory, be very careful of that, Christian. Hey, I know what I'm doing. I've got X amount of years in ministry. You know how many classes I've taught on this subject? And all of a sudden, Peter says, you're not going to die. And Jesus with the discernment of the tower looking towards Damascus, the enemy, stands in his authority as Jesus is the head of the church. He confronts Peter, whom he loves, but he destroys that comment by saying to Peter, get behind me, Satan, because you have in mind the things of man and not the things of God. The enemy got into Peter's life. Why? Because he wanted the things of man and not the things of God. What are the things of man? The compromise of position. Can I be at your right and left? Power. Power. Privilege, popularity, all those P's. I feel like I'm Baptist, although I gave you four instead of three. (laughs) Peter wanted all of that. Five P's, Peter. (laughs) 
charismatic Baptists. Anyway. <clears throat> and so this is, this is really important, guys. Satan got in to Peter because he was compromised. And Jesus rebuked him. Now, was that nice to say to Peter? Get behind me, Satan, for you have in mind the things of man and not the things of God. This is why sometimes, like, God's not wanting us to be just nice Christians. Not saying anything to offend anyone. Jesus never walked like that. And sometimes when we speak out against things, the false theology is, I don't want to confront those things because I'm... I'm getting mixed up with the main thing, which is the gospel. So I'm not going to speak that, hey, this is sin. This is an abomination. That abortion is murder. That homosexuality is sin. I'm just not going to do that because I don't want to hinder the gospel. Listen, Jesus never did that. He told the Pharisees, you are of your father, the devil. He always spoke truth. Because if somebody's going to get saved, they're going to get saved. If somebody gets dropped in a trust fall, but yet God wants to save them, he's going to save them. You don't need to be a jerk. But we do have to stand up for truth and righteousness in this day. Why? Because Jesus is the truth. The truth is a person. His name is Jesus. And when we proclaim him, we proclaim what is true and right. If two genders is offensive to somebody, listen, listen, it's truth. And we can talk about it, we can reason about that, but that is truth. And the whole world's under a big deception right now. And if we are silent and we're not actively destroying what's happening in our world and speaking out and pushing back evil and pushing back darkness and pushing back because here's the thing. Child mutilation's happening because of that doctrine that there's more than two genders, which is not biblical. And so the next step is, because Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy, he wants to destroy the opportunity of somebody having children. He wants to destroy the opportunity of somebody walking in their purpose. He wants that person to walk confused and ruin their life. And we, if we are silent on this because we're trying to be nice, we're under deception. Satan left Jesus after every temptation and he departed him until a more opportune time. Are you the kind of person that is on guard, that is on watch, that walks like Elijah when I see and sense the enemy at work, I want to destroy it. Not the person, but I want to destroy the lie. I want to destroy the deception. I want to help somebody remove that sin out of their life, and I want to crush it in such a way it never rises again because I love this person, and I want them to walk in freedom because Galatians 5.1 says it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Don't go back into bondage. God doesn't want his kids in bondage, and the gospel's about freedom. So worship team, come on up, please. Father, we ask that you would just continue to have your way in our lives. 
as your people. I pray, God, that your children would understand their authority that that they have that is in you, Jesus, that we would be people standing in the authority of Christ. And God, I pray that you raise up a church that would have a, a violent hatred for sin and that we would move with you because, Jesus, you came to destroy the works of the devil. So help us to love one another, to lay down our lives one another, and to move towards one another in a way where we're serious. We're serious about having compromises and sin and deception and these things, God, because you've called us to freedom. So God, pour out your spirit on this church. I pray Psalm 18 over this church that we would be a people that would be valiant warriors as we stand in the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, that we would be people bending bows of bronze and freeing our brothers and sisters and destroying the works of the enemy so the enemy has no place to arise. And so Jesus, come. As we fix our gaze towards you, God, And we worship you. We thank you that you are a mighty warrior and a victorious warrior. And you defeated sin on the cross. You defeated the grave and death. And you rose again, Jesus. And you are living eternal forevermore. That you overcame the world and all of its temptations. That you defeated the enemy. That victory is ours. That we are victorious in you. And I pray that your bride would rise up into her privileged position. That she would see herself, God, as you and your blood have declared over her life. Be blessed by our worship now. In Jesus' name. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com.